Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy, and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Hey everyone, welcome to Soundbreaker. On today's episode, we're talking to Eddie O'Loughlin, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Thank you for joining us. Uh, for listeners who are might not be uh, familiar with Eddie or with you, uh, could you please introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what do you do. And obviously, we're going to continue more and more and more. We don't want to all dump it in one question. Fine. Thank you for having me, Bob. I'm, My uh, pleasure. I, I, I feel good being interviewed by you because you are an industry professional. You have great experience. So I feel safe with you. And uh, sometimes I do interviews with people. I, I think they came in the music business three days ago. Um, I know I'm in good hands. So thank you, thank you. to you. Thank you. And, it's and all about you, you, but thank you for putting some light on me. Thank you. <laughs> and, and to your producer, Ash, as well. Ash, amazing. Great. So good. So thank you. So my name is Eddie O'Loughlin. I'm in the music business for decades. I'm a music producer. That's a person that either goes into the studio or finds talent and brings them into the studio. I'm also a record company owner which is the person's, my job is to find talent and bring them into the studio and market the talent and promote the talent, distribute the talent. And I'm also a music publisher. That's the person who finds songs and songwriters and tries to get those songs uh, more popularized through jingles or trying to get other people to record them. Um, so there's kind of slight nuances to each level. But each level is basically the same. Find exceptional commercial talent. That's been my job forever. That's the key. Great. That is fantastic. Um, okay. I mean, it's great to have you, obviously. Uh, let's. Can we dive into it? Um, how did you get started or what got you started in the music industry? Well, the, the easy answer is I was interested in music. Very interesting. Had a great passion for music, but so do a lot of people. But for some unfortunate reason, I was a sick child. And I was homebound mm. from age seven to about 11. Mm. And I wasn't able to play sports. Um, Why? I went because I had. Well, I had a bronchial issue, uh, which was pneumonia. And it was continually, it went on for about three, four years. Penicillin saved my life and I was able to carry on. But while being a sick child, I was limited to just my schoolwork that teachers would bring by, or I'd go to school occasional as well. Um, and I would read, I became uh, an intense reader and I would listen to the radio. And while listening to the radio, I would recognize this is in the 50s. This is in the mid-50s. I'm a little boy. And I would hear certain songs played again. And 
uh, this was like a eureka. Like they just played this four hours ago. Why did they play it again? And I started keeping track of when they would play these songs. And I would notice a pattern of some songs are played more than others. So it's my interest in music was inspired at that young age, probably by accident, I guess, you know, who knows what we're born with. Um, another thing, my mother and father did not get along. I said, but they didn't. The only time they did was Saturday night and Saturday night was music night. My father played the piano. My mother sang all day. She made the cold cuts, the potato salads, the macaroni salad, whatever. <laughs> 30, 40 relatives, neighbors would come into our very small home, very small home, but they'd pack in and they'd sing. And I recognized that Saturday and Saturday night is a time for truce. Mom and dad got along. I wanted to unconsciously get involved with how does that happen? And the, the commonality was music. So there wow. I go. Wow. It definitely a sombric at the age of 11. That's what the show is about at the age of 11 and self-taught, no school, none of that self-taught. That is amazing. Yes. And that's what we try for. Yes. yes Self-interest. That's yes. Uh, yes. Very interesting story. Really interesting and inspiring. I, I, I think for everybody, for all our listeners out there, all the young people who want to get involved in the music business. Uh, Eddie, you've been a pioneer in both hip hop world and ADM genres. In your opinion, how did, these impact the industry as a whole? Uh, well, each, every genre, every new genre that comes by that people are attracted to um, just brings new life and new feeling and new blood. So maybe it was big bands 100 years or 60 years ago, 100 years ago, mm -hmm. whether it be the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and the Stones. Um, Young people are searching for their identity and their sound. So disco morphed into electronic dance music, which was a little more aggressive, a little more punchy. Um, hip hop resonated as a culture movement and yes. presented thoughts and ideas that stimulated many cultures. So th they sure. were... Both, both the genres really have had great impact, life-changing, the way the Beatles had and rock had a great impact. So yes. each genre goes like that. Um, the remarkable thing about hip-hop is when I first got involved with hip-hop, because I just liked it, and it was so much fun and just party and great, um, was I nobody really suspected 50 years later, we're still excited about hip-hop. So that that's a True. phenomenon that nobody can yes. predict. And no, dance music absolutely. in dance music in nineteen. I went to the first clubs in seventy three, nineteen seventy four. Um, still going. Disco days. Yes, yes. That's what started the era. Absolutely. It st started the era. I was very fortunate yeah. to sign the yes. very first two. I signed the very first two Euro hits. Um, in America, Fly Robin Fly by Silver Convention, number one pop. Ooh, are mainstream. you kidding me? It's a major hit. Yes. And Get Up and Boogie, which went to number two. My favorite. Amazing. Wow. 
fun, fun record. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- those are the first two European hits. And, yes. and that morphed into electronic dance music that we have today. Yes, yes, correct. Um, you played a significant role uh, in the making of one of the biggest stars in our time, right? Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, uh, in El Mismo Sol. Am I pronouncing it right? El Mismo yeah. Sol? Yes. El, El Mismo Sol. El yes. Mismo Sol, yeah. yeah uh, almost, collaboration and success. Yes, yes. I, am, uh, I almost said C. Si. I'm talking Spanish <laughs> to you, which I don't even talk. But at any rate... Um, um, can you share that story behind this collaboration and, uh, you know, and what was it like working with uh, an international superstar like uh, Jennifer Lopez also? Okay, so here's the story. Two uh, in one. M- m- many of these stories have the same background. Uh, it's, it's, it's seated and deep-seated in excitement about the music. That's yes. the main thing. So Absolutely. A song comes, a, a friend of mine in Germany sends me mm-hmm. a song that was recorded in Spain by Alvaro Soler called El Mismo Sol, uh, The Sun. So I hear the song. I heard the song. I loved it. Thought it was great. In -hmm. Spanish, we have a large Spanish market in America. I thought the song could could do really well. I played it for my partner, um, Monty Lippman, who runs a company called uh, Republic Records, the number one most successful the number one mm-hmm. most successful record company in America for the past nine, 10 years. Absolutely. And he brought the song to Jennifer Lopez and she loved it. And that's how that happened. Amazing. Yes. Wow. And she, the, the stars have to align. Okay. This yes. is a story that could be told 50 times with different songs, different artists that go nowhere. This went somewhere, but it just aligned up. Monty happened to bend with Jennifer. Jennifer happened to just be in the mood for this. Who knows how this kind of stuff happens, but it, it did. And it became a very good success. It did very, very well. So in many you're countries. your timing was perfect with that. The timing and the good relationship with Monty. Correct. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what uh, qualities in Salt and Pepper did you recognize during your early work with them? And how... You, do you believe they shaped the hip hop genre? Well, I loved meeting Salt and Pepper. I'll never forget the day they came into uh-huh. my office in uh, early May of 1986 uh-huh. with their brilliant producer, who I didn't know was brilliant. He was just a nice young guy, uh, Herbie Azor, Herbie Lovebug Azor. Um, I didn't know females were generally not successful in hip hop. They, they were considered not to be able to be successful. I didn't know that rule book. I just knew I liked them and I liked Herbie and yes. three of them were just great. And I liked the way they were thinking. It was female empowerment. And I thought that's a message that could probably resonate you know, none of us know before we sign talent what's mm-hmm. where it's going to go, but it just felt like an important message, and I would like to be part of that. And I asked if they liked me, and they said they did. And I said, "And I like you." <laughs> and do you want? It's like Mickey Rooney movie almost. I said, "Do you want to make some records together?" And they said, "Yeah, we're down." And that happened, and we had wound up with uh, about ten, twelve years of hits. 
I don't know how many, maybe so, 20 top 10, 10 hits, five huge albums, uh, enormous run worldwide of, of great success because they were great. Herbie was great. They turned out to be great songwriters and they were hard workers. And we were all lucky to uh, be part of history in a positive way. Absolutely. I mean, we'd, I would give you credit also for uh, kind of giving women empowerment in the hip hop world. You give the startup like you were the startup for yeah. that, I would say, that movement. Wow. Uh, I was glad to be a part of that. I had a female partner named Janine Leclerc. She uh -huh. was my female partner, very unusual those days, and she was a full partner. Um, I had a strong mother. I had a strong mother. And I think that was just very comfortable to be around strong women. My yes. wife was very strong woman. My wife, wife, very strong woman, became a doctor, PhD. Uh -huh. um, and we started just young from nothing at 19, 20 years old. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, strong women were comfortable with me. And salt yeah. and pepper was strong and in a really great way. Amazing. You know, I find in every answer, every question, a lot of inspiring uh, inspiration, I would say, for everybody. I mean, this is mm -hmm. what Sambrick and the music business is about. Stories like yourself, amazing, mm -hmm. just like that. Good. You know, the way you started and how you uh, help others and help talent and you come across and how do you look at everything? Hmm. I yes. hope it could be helpful to people. I, it, absolutely. It's a, pre, it's, uh, it's a very nice story and, it, and it, it's, it happens in America. That's what's great about yes, it. Yes, the American dream. Mm -hmm. uh, you're part of the, uh, the Emmy winning award show, The Voice. Can you yes. tell us about the process of selecting music and mm -hmm. for the show and what role you play in it? Mm -hmm. I was in Holland probably 12 years ago having lunch with a dear friend of mine, Peter uh, von Bodegraven. He told me about a brand new show in Holland, The Chairs Turn. Uh, he showed me the tape. It had just gone on the air. Maybe it was on the air two weeks in Holland. It was starting to be successful. And it just seemed... Like, um, even though the language was Dutch, the songs were Dutch, I couldn't understand the word. It just seemed like the concept is something that could be successful in other countries. They, at that point, the producers of the show, wanted to expand into Luxembourg. Hmm. I felt the show could go anywhere, but I wasn't an experienced television producer, but I had blinders on. And I felt this, I think this could be success in America. I don't fully know. I called Monty Lippman at Republic. Mm -hmm. I, I explained this could, I feel this could be very, very successful. And I sent him an email and he loves to talk about it. And in the email was, in the email was block letters, big letters. This is the most important property I've ever brought you. I've ever brought you, brought to you. Um, and I checked the list down. Chairs turning, great songs, great singers. It's worth a chance. He jumped on it in two, three hours. A deal was made with the wow. producers of The Voice, the Universal Republic, to get the world rights to the music. And mm. I was named as um, head of A&R, Artist and Repertoire, the person who makes records with contestants and the winners, a number so of years. So you bought the show to America. You're the one who found it and actually bought it, put it in our lap. 
the music rights, the music yes. rights, the television production was a different negotiation going on with various yeah. uh, um, networks. Yeah. Uh, I was not part of that. I was part of the, where I uh, always are, where I always am on the music side. I was excited that this is a vehicle to uh, let people meet new artists. And I had no idea it was going to be the phenomenon that it is. Hmm, amazing. Very interesting story again. <laughs> Very interesting. You're an interesting <laughs> man, uh, uh, definitely. You really are. <laughs> well, uh, the people tell me this. People say, oh, you're very interesting. No. You know what I am? I'm a person who shows up every day. That's I show it. up. That That's what I do. And I show up with uh, a curiosity. It's kind of simple in that way. You can, you're consistent and you're always evolving and adapting. I, I I hope and I, I I look to do that. I want to hear yes. from new people. I love young yes. people. What's their ideas? And oh, rule breaker like this. This could be. <laughs> this might be very very good. Let's see if. And many of the ideas don't yes. don't develop. They yes. good ideas that just meander off. But then occasionally get these lucky ones. And, uh, Early in our conversation, uh, we talked about you know, your involvement in electronic music and hip hop. Uh, how do you think these genres uh, will continue to evolve, will continue to evolve for the future? Well, they will evolve. I'm not 100% clear, but it's already evolved. As we talked about disco, which is four on the floor at one point. Correct. With a, ba with a band. It's yes. evolved into, although Giorgio Moroda kind of created the electronic dance uh, uh, division, uh, not division, genre with Donna genre. Summer, and yes. it developed from there. You know, I, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I, I don't. It's usually every 10 years. Where are we now? 23? Okay. It's usually yes. every 10th year there's a new movement. So, and When did this whole thing start with uh, uh, Avicii? Yeah. That was a new era of the sound of dance music, you know, electronic, but he took it to yeah. a different yeah. level, I would say. Yeah, he opened it up for many others. Yes. We're yes. In, okay, we're in 2023. Yeah. I don't know if he was 05 or 10. Uh, I forget. I forget. I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you when that big thing no. came out. Uh, uh, I would he, say, no, I would say, no, later. No, what are you talking about? Yeah, it came out okay. later. Yeah, yeah. I would say in the early, like 2011, I think. Okay. 12. All right. Something like this. It, yeah. it, it used to be, I don't know if it's true any longer. It used to be every 10th year. So you have Frank Sinatra, crooners yes. in the mid 40s. Yeah. In the mid 50s, you have rock breaking through with Elvis and Carl Perkins and Roy Elvis. In the mid 60s, you had the English uh, invasion. In the mid 70s, you had disco breaking. I mean, it starts a few years, er, few years earlier, but by, seven, by 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, hip hop emerges. 95, yes. it's boy bands. Yes. Uh, 2005, yes. I don't know, maybe everybody, everybody was sleeping. I don't know what happened in 05, really. <laughs> I'm, not sure what, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in 05 and 15. Maybe it was the evolution of EDM. And, and, yes. And I think you're it. right. It was not only that, it was the DJ as the star yeah. in that yes. time. Certainly yes. the DJ became the star. Absolutely, yes. In 05 yes. and on. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That was it. So. Let's find out yeah. where we're going in 25. <laughs> uh, you had a remarkable track record, Eddie, and uh, from discovering and producing over 90 mainstream hits, mm -hmm. including many of them, uh, achieved, you achieved uh, gold and platinum status. Uh, 
Mm. Um, can you share a remarkable story behind one of those hits? Hmm. One of the most remarkable stories was John Travolta. Oh. We love John Travolta. John, we signed John. Uh, I co-founded a label in the 70s with Bob Reno, a man named Bob Reno called Midland Records. We signed oh. John. We had a we saw we met him 24 hours before everybody else i guess we're just lucky that we just liked him wow. we signed the deal that's with the name him. he had in the show bob reno correct? that's right yes yeah and bob reno was my partner and the owner of midland records bob reno so somebody oh. sent vinnie bob reno who's john travolta to yes. see bob reno and then i'm bob's partner so it brings me in um and we had um we had hits we had hits he recorded on the grease soundtrack um, Sandy, Grease Lightning. We had all those records. Uh, a song called Letter In went to number eight on Midland Records. Oh. Monster hit records. Wow. But then he decided he doesn't want to, He didn't want to sing any longer. He was really focused on acting. He never sang again after Grease soundtrack. Oh, that's kind of he weird. To, maybe he found his passion in acting. He, he did he, drop off for a minute, I think. I he, remember. He was an actor and he is yeah. an actor and he became famously great. And he was famously yes. great before that, but his focus went on music. Um, I'm, I'm, I went on uh, acting. Yes. And not music. And that's unusual. That's the unusual thing. People don't even realize, don't realize John Travolta never made another record after his hits. And you were involved in those records that he, all the records that he did in the beginning. He was signed to us, absolutely. Wow. Yes, yes, Amazing. Released, yes. It's all huh. in the history books. It's all documented. <laughs> uh, you signed uh, one of the viral sensation, uh, Emma Heisters. Am yeah. I pronouncing her last name? Yeah, Emma Heisters uh, in twenty twenty. Yeah, we say uh, Emma Heisters in Holland. Yeah. They say Emma Heisters, but you and I are fine with Emma Heisters. Yes, and we're in okay. America now. She's, is she from Holland? She's from Holland, correct? She's a Dutch yep. language artist. Yes. Um, and she's phenomenal. That's a crazy story. That's a story. A friend of mine, Bill Deutsch, sent me her music on YouTube. And my wife was not doing well, suffering yeah. from um, um, a serious ovarian cancer diagnosis. So Sorry I was to hear at. That. Yeah, that was not easy. So anyway, we were at Sloan Kettering. It's a famous hospital in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the waiting room, just waiting for my wife to be finished with chemo. My friend Bill sends Emma's music and, and a video of her. I thought she was fabulous. thought she was great. Um, called her manager the next morning. Uh, Taylor Jones is his name. Great guy. He's British, English guy. And we made a deal and released her record. So Emma is signed to us. Eddie, my company is Eddie O Entertainment Republic. Mm -hmm. And she signed to us for the world. And she has become a very successful star in Holland. She has one record. Uh, I think it's at 83 million streams on Spotify. And there's only 15 million people in the country to give you an idea. So she has been consistent and making hit records for the past number of years. And in mm -hmm. fact, I'll, I'll see her next week in Holland. And what's uh, your but, plan for, for the future? What's the plan? 
it's for, the same um, plan. Yeah. Try and find better records, always more records. I, I, I'd like to see her host the New Year's Eve show in Holland and see if we mm -hmm. branch out more. And she's taking more of an active role in television hosting as well because she has that personality. So there's a great future for her. Great. But that was a, an unusual <laughs> situation uh, again. Amazing. Um, uh, throughout your journey in the music industry, and as we both know, that the music industry full of challenges and setbacks. Uh, can you share a difficult moment uh, that you faced uh, in your career and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I'm going to say June 15th, 1979. <laughs> That's a difficult moment. That's a tough day in history. Two DJs in Chicago, Comiskey yeah. Park, decided to do a radio promotion as a backlash against disco dance music. Hmm. On the radio, they ask everybody, all rockers, anybody who hates dance disco music, because there was getting a little everything. It was getting a little bit too a little too much. I mean, Ethel Merman, she's an old singer from like a hundred thousand years ago. She even made a disco album. Stop! Yes. You know, you're ruining yes. this whole thing. So yeah. there was a backlash, and everybody brought their. Um, uh, uh, disco records. They may have had 10,000, maybe 15,000 vinyl pieces of records, and they set them on fire and, and, and set a bonfire and blew them up with fireworks. Oh my God. Yeah. The next day, disco music was a dirty word after that in the United States. So you no longer heard the Bee Gees on radio. Gloria Gaynor was not on. Disco music was finished in wow. America, and that was it. And that's when the Bee Gees started. The Bee Gees started producing Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers and Barbara Streisand. They could no longer be the stars that they were, even though they were the same talented people. So for me, it was a time to be almost out of business because mm -hmm. I had signed the poster boy of disco, John Travolta. Saturday Night Fever, if you recall, with this Absolutely. movie. Yes. Uh, we had Silver Convention. Uh, we published Laurie Gaynor. I was producing Carol Douglas with Dr. Zordis, Midnight Love Affair, Silver. The hits went on and on and on of that genre. After June 15th, that's it. Nobody wanted to talk to me uh, about music because wow. I was considered part of a, a dead part of the uh, uh, commercial area of the business. That was very hurtful. And that took me mm. five years to claw back with hip hop in the uh, signing of Salt and Pepper and uh, DJ Red Alert and Paperboy, Ultra Magnetics. Oh my God, what a great group. Uh, still revered uh, by people like Dr. Dre and The Weeknd. So, DJ Alert was signed to you? I didn't know that. Which one? DJ Alert. Yeah, Red Alert was with me. Yeah. Yeah, with right. us, our label. Yeah, Next Plateau. Yeah. Um, and who's the other one I just said? Uh, Ultra Magnetics, yeah. Ultra Magnetic, yeah. Yeah, they were uh, groundbreakers. Salt and Pepper, of course, <clears throat> get all the play. So that took five, six years to get back in life again. They were very tough years, very tough. And we did it, but it well, wasn't, was not easy. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, that is inspiring. Um, in your opinion, what's some of the common uh, misconceptions or misconceptions that people have about the music industry? that it's exciting and glamorous. It's true. It is true. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Yes. 
the and you and I, work that goes by. You and I know it's yes. about hard work. It's yes. Not, it's glamorous occasionally when your artist is at a stadium or are on a TV. Yeah, yes. that, that's glamorous. That's about what, the work that took to get to that stage. Nobody knows. Endless, endless work, <laughs> yes. endless rejection, endless failure, endless failure over and over and over. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times of failures to get the magic moment. Yes. But what do you do? You keep getting up and keep going forward. If you have passion for what you do, no matter what yes. it is, it doesn't have to be music. It could be anything. If you anything. have passion for something, it's not work. Yes. It, it's it's can't wait to do it. I don't care yeah, if you're an auto mechanic. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you have passion for that, that's not work. That's uh, you're driven, and that's a joy, yeah. and you're very lucky. And I always ask people to do all their best. The young ones that I mentor. Do your best to try and find something that you're really, really interested in. Really yes. interested in. Not make-believe interest. That's luck, I guess, too, to, to be able to well, do that. Well, this message is obviously for our listeners, the sound breakers, who wants to get into the music business and want to be part of it. Definitely. These are good tips and good codes well, from Eddie. The last word is, uh, yeah, you, okay, you have to be passionate. Yeah, um, yeah. And you have to be in action. You have yes. to be in action. You have to be out there to do yeah. anything. Say yes to everything. I don't care if somebody at a studio says, we need a guy to sweep this floor this week. Yeah. Yes. You do it. Yes, because yes. I might hear something. I might meet somebody there. Yes. Anyway. Um, you know, the music business is all about collaboration. And it's a key element in the music world. Uh, can you share a memorable collaboration with someone that you work with that left an impact on you? Besides oh, John Travolta and no, uh, Jennifer well, Lopez and some of the others you mentioned. Well, the Salt and Pepper Herbie collaboration was phenomenal. I mean, we really yes. worked very closely, uh, record after record. What a man, shoop. Let's talk about sex. Uh, yes. My, um, it was just a just a, a great run, but a lot of time, and it it, it came from, from a lot of close collaboration, but also in business. In business, my yes. partner Janine Leclerc, brilliant, brilliant at business, um, and and so supportive, uh, helping the creative community, um, recognizing that it's a business, but that we needed to try. We had to try and take risks. So Absolutely. I've had great collaborations, including my wife. My wife, Kathy, great. was an amazing collaborator. So Definitely. Yep. Um, technology, I would say, has significantly changed the music landscape. And how have advancement in technology influenced uh, your work and the music industry uh, in as a whole? The uh, advancement in, in, in technology... It, it, there are no words. I mean, the fact that you and I are doing this, this remotely, um, yes. that I can be listening to mixes in Norway five, eight minutes after they just finished it, this is incredible. I mean, that, that was a five-day process, sending it in the mail. Did you get it yet? Expensive. <laughs> yes, yes. Technology has been, it's been great, and at the same time, there are – a lot of things not great, of course, either. Half the people in the world, they're not talking to each other anymore. 
just texting. <laughs> because of technology. <laughs> By the way, they're sitting next to each other. So whatever. Well, I mean, for the music business, as you know, we started with the uh, eight tracks, the cassettes, the yeah. vinyl, the CDs, yeah. the yeah. digital download, then streaming. Download even is a passe. So yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. And more coming, obviously. Streaming platform now become mm -hmm. secondary after social media mm -hmm. platforms. They could break hits like TikTok and mm -hmm. uh, Instagram Reels and Shorts. Yep, that's what yeah. it is today. Unfortunately, yes. sometimes unfortunately sometimes that's all what it is. It's uh, really well. Listen, Eddie, how do you yeah. keep yourself updated? I mean, uh, to the latest trends and innovation after all these years. What <laughs> new ways you find because of technology, obviously now, and well, how important it is to continue to learn. Well, if you're interested interested in learning, now people often ask me, uh, why aren't you retired? I'm too curious to retire. I want to know what's going on still. Uh, you know, I was out at Ultra Music, uh, Ultra Records Music Publishing Party on uh, Wednesday night, mingling a lot, yeah. a lot of people, getting new information. Uh, tomorrow night at one in the morning, I'll be at a club called Somewhere Nowhere, seeing a DJ that we just signed called PS1 and Jex. I'll be uh -huh. there one one thirty in the morning on 25th Street and 12th Avenue seeing what's going on. I'm interested. Now, I'm going to be exhausted on Sunday, but it's worth it. It's worth it to me. So, yes, I'm very actively interest, interested in what's moving. I'll be in Holland next week at the uh, the Global uh, Electronic Dance Music Convention. ADA, that's right. Is that ADA? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. ADE. I'll be there. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's happening. The moment I don't Great. want to know, that's the time that I don't know what happens at that point. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so. Well, you're going to keep carrying on. I love what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Um, Thank you, you know, I have decided uh, to create this podcast because mm -hmm. I, I came across tremendous inspire, tremendously inspiring stories throughout my 25 mm -hmm. plus years in the business. Uh, so I wanted to inspire others like myself who had a very unique career mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. uh, many of our listeners are also seeking a breakthrough, mm -hmm. uh, the noise, and mm -hmm. the and succeed in this gatekeeping or mm -hmm. gatekept, I would say. Yeah, gatekept uh, business. Yeah. Yes, very saturated. Can you mm -hmm. share some maybe insights on our strategies, uh, how individuals can navigate through these challenges, especially the gatekeeping? Well, it goes back to what I said a few moments ago. Be as active in, in any area you can get in. College radio station, get there, be there, help out, volunteer, um, intern wherever you can. Sometimes intern at any place you can. A small production company with two people, go there, be part of that. Columbia Records may not need you, but some a small company may, and you can learn a lot. It goes back to, to that, just being in action and connect any way you possibly can. Great, great. These absolutely valuable insights, Eddie, and I'm sure our listeners will find them very incredibly helpful. Mm. Uh, very incredibly helpful, absolutely. Before oh. we wrap up, is there anything, any projects that you're working on you want to plug in, you want to talk about, uh, anything that upcoming that's, uh, you know, we have a dance record that I'm really enthusiastic about. Worked on it for 13 months. Um, it's by a DJ named PS1. He's had some great success previously. Um, he's joined up with an artist that's signed to us called Jex. 
And they have a great record coming out called Same Old Song. It comes out November 10th. It's about a month or so away. And it's it's exciting being part of the uh, pre-setup of this to see how we can see this at TikTok and Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and to see what the reaction is. But it's a great record, and let's see if people agree. Great. Well, unfortunately, good things come to an end. Uh, I'm sure we'll do this again. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, this concludes today's episode of Soundbreaker. Please make sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned for a new episode. See ya. Thank you. This podcast is presented by Music Dash, world's first AI-powered independent distribution CMS. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.